Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond, and there's some breaking news. There is some late breaking news from during the week, Patrick. It's uh, Hang on, late breaking news late from breaking during the week. Perf- during the like week. It, that's, like that's what it's called. And uh, th- Well, this is how relevant it is. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you follow... We'll start off with, there's one in Nine News Melbourne and plenty of other news sites. And we yeah, I'll follow the news. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, some shouldn't follow the news because during the week around Hampton Beach, there was one of the most fierce sharks that lives in our Victorian waters that was spotted literally travelling along the shorelines great white. of Melbourne. No, not even worse than a great white. It was the humble meter-long gummy shark. <laughs> and this oh made... Oh, my God. And this made... National Nine, Nine News in, in Melbourne. It's a bit like was it Amity Bay? I think it was in Jaws. What was, yeah, was the, the local fishing town terrorised like by that, the seven yeah. meter great white? I mean, there's not a huge amount of similarities between the two, unless you're into flake. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure this will taste better than that big great white. I tell you what, I'm surprised there wasn't 150 people down there trying to catch this thing. But <laughs> like I, the photo, I can't tell how big it is from the photo. But let's be honest, it's clearly a gummy shark. You giving not even a school shark. So you're, you're giving Nine News the gaff with some some let's oh, let's be honest, some dubious reporting around. Uh, <laughs> just it's just it's just stupid. Well, like, they're not fishermen, Aaron. They're they're journalists. Yeah, I know, but it's I, got a I, fin. Don't it's speak a great unless white. spoken to then. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a fit of a great white. Well, the poor fella hasn't even got teeth. Uh, do you know those sucker fish when you go overseas that clean your toes? I don't know what it would be like if it bit you. A remora? <laughs> no, the ones overseas in Bali where you sit there in the little thing and the fish come over and clean your feet. Have you not seen them before? I have. That's I what it would be like if a gummy shark tried to bite you. They'd clean your feet. Let's get into the show. Abu Garcia celebrates 100 years as a real manufacturer, Redmond. Now, they... Um, were founded in 1921 in Sweden. The first reel was introduced in 41. And over the years, we've seen many different variations right throughout the Australian marketplace. I used to have one on a surf rod, actually. Yep. Abu Garcia, they, um, I reckon they were uh, one of, I think everyone's sort of first reel. Yeah. Like as in back a- in the as day. As in the for, barrel for reel. Me, yeah, yep. back in the day. Because so. they were quite, like, they, I think they were, I it was 140 bucks for a, Real, like, yep. Exactly right. So, um, great to see. Congratulations to Abu Garcia. Chinese... Abu or Abu? Abu, sorry. Abu. I go Abu, but yeah. I know, but you go Abu. dancing instead of dancing. Oh, prancing. <laughs> Chinese Redmond, the Easy Craft, 
Mm, we're seeing a- we're seeing this infiltrate the market, and we have had the the guys on from Stabycraft over in New Zealand who are, in our opinion, and and there's plenty of wonderful aluminium uh, manufacturers out there, but you know Staby are right up. We love the Staby. Very very top. Um, but we're seeing these Chinese knockoffs and Easy Craft, which is basically a carbon copy um, of the Staby Crafts. Yet, whilst they look aesthetically the same, they are vastly different when it comes to the construction and just how safe these things are. I'm all for new businesses and everyone having a go and having a crack at things, but this is just plain ridiculous and plagiarism, sh- just stupid and. Uh, I've seen numerous uh, videos that have gone through social media from Stabycraft in itself, who actually, well, the main one video, uh, the CEO actually, they did a big test. They actually purchased one of these vessels, mm, kitted it yeah. out, exactly the same with Staby. And if you do want to watch it, it's on YouTube and also Stabycraft's Facebook page if you do want to check it out. And basically, if you are looking to buy one of these, I'd be checking this out, and they literally do the exact same test. Now, you probably say, well... In terms of how they drive them, how all they, those sorts yeah. of things, yep. With the engines in, engine out, like all these different uh, ways. And it goes for a period of time, but it's well worth watching. Now, some people will say, oh, Stabycraft are only doing that because it's biased. Well, to tell you the honest truth, I've actually seen two of these vessels in person myself. Uh, I haven't had them on the water, but I have seen them myself. Now, I've seen enough of it to not want to go in one. Uh, I've seen the welds and whatnot. And I'm like I said, I'm all for having a go, but these guys have literally copied everything about the Stabycraft. The look, where they've welded, all these certain things they've copied, but they've missed, they actually haven't got the quality anywhere close to what the actual Stabycraft is in itself. So just please be careful if you are buying one of these because if you're out there, for example, chasing a big fish down off Lakes Entrance or Polo Bay and you're in you're in this easy craft and a weld goes on you and you're with your son or daughter or whoever it is, it's a bloody hell of a long swim back. So I think the, the other thing is, if you buy one of these... Yes, you're buying it cheap. It's going to be worth nothing after three to five years. Versus you buy a Stabby Craft, it's like buying a well, Land Cruiser. You've they, got just, to, they maintain their value. You've also got to be very careful with uh, re, uh, purchasing your secondhand boats too because one of them that I've seen is actually chain, put stickers of the Stabby Craft on their boat. Yeah, okay. So they've actually put the Stabby Craft stickers on. And this is and where this you is, really need to go through yeah. your VIN numbers and your hull identification 100%. certificates and these sorts of things to make sure that you know what you are buying. Because, like I said to you before, one thing they have done good is they've copied the look and it looks damn close to what it actually is. So yeah. there's not much difference between the actual two of the boats. So. And especially if you're new to boating and you don't understand what the difference is between quality of welds and those sorts of things, which plenty of people don't. You know, it's one of those things that you really need to to talk to the experts before buying, particularly if you haven't been in the industry before. So um, one of those things, Redmond. Now, there's there's been some great fish releases during the week. Um, You're pretty impressed with one of them. Well, the Department of Fisheries in, in most states now, like it's almost a competition between states with – with who's releasing more fish. And the, the, the winners are recreational anglers. There's been 90,000 Mulloway uh, that have been stocked. Um, That's a lot in, of fish. Absolutely it is. Into, into fisheries right throughout uh, New South Wales, which is just spectacular. Yep. There's been, what was it, 9,500 fish yeah, released. A mixture of brown and I think a few more rainbows than browns, but in the uh, Bostock Reserve. Yep, which is fantastic. Um this is where our fishing licenses are actually going, which is 
Great to see. Let's get into your week in fishing, Redmond. There's been some big winter whiting. There has, and this time of the year where it's really important to fish our water temperatures and whatnot. Now, last week, I decided to film a hell of a lot for Salt Guide. We did a two and a half days of pure filming. We did barrel bluefin tuna. We did King George whiting in the ocean. We did numerous, uh, numerous different uh Things. Species. Species. So, or even just techniques and like, we weren't fishing as such. We caught a couple of fish, but it was more about getting the content out. And one of those ones was talking about big winter whiting and the water temperatures and what happens. So in the ocean, what happens is we've got natural currents that run along our coasts, which in the bay, we're sitting at sort of that 10 and a half, 11 degrees. It's bloody cold in the bay. Now you might get lucky and get some fish up at St. Leonard's and anywhere through the bay, to be honest with you. I know Clifton Springs is still fishing well in that cold weather, but what happens is those big ocean whiting on the incoming tide then push down to the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay heads. So they actually push into the bay. And then you can also fish the ocean on the other tide, and that's when we fish best in the ocean on the outgoing tide. And it's that warmer water that the fish are trying to stay in. Now, we same as Western Port. I've seen some massive Western Port whiting in the last few weeks coming out the southern ends of Western Port. So these whiting aren't your traditional school whiting that we get throughout the year. They're not your 35 centimetre stuff. These are your 40s to 50s, potentially bigger. And everyone wants to catch a 50 centimetre whiting. And this is where you're going to do it. This is where you're going to have consistent captures some days. You might get three, four of them around that 50 centimetre mark, which is always great fun to catch. So if you are looking for a whiting, make sure you get down into that warmer current that comes in. I'm talking, it's an extra two and a half degrees warmer, Pat. So it makes a big, big difference. Something that we are going to talk about in the coming, probably more coming months rather than weeks, is those big calamari, Pat, that start spawning on their eggs. Now, we love talking about big squid. We love catching big squid. We love eating big squid. But the one thing it the one thing that goes to them, you've got to be prepared and ready ready when they're on. Because when they're on, they're on. One squid always sort of swims with two to three squid, and that's how we get these big ones. Now, really, really good signs in both Western Port in the ocean and in bottom end of Southern Port, Philip. Those big, big squid are really making themselves present early. And what I mean by early, there might be a few more people targeting them, but they are there to catch. You can go out there and get your 10 squid, which is your bag limit here in Victoria, easily. You can get your 10 squid. And it might take three or four drifts, but once you find where they're sitting, you can tend to pick them off. Now, we're going to talk in depth in a few few months about what we're going to talk about is actually how to rig for them, rigging uh, stick baits for them. So actually putting uh, baited baited, sorry, little Tommy Ruff baits on baited jigs itself. Talking about getting your, your, your actual depth in your squid squid jigs, so running them on off sinkers and, and, and the likes of that, and also picking your time. So, for example, if the swell's up in the ocean, you don't want to be fishing in the bay on the end of that incoming tide. You'd probably rather fish the end of that outgoing tide to get that clearer water, which tends to catch some squid. So it's, it's really starting to shape up for a good... St- or spring, I guess. So it's probably more that springtime where it really fires up, but it's well worth targeting them now. Like more than, more than, yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you if you went down there and spend the weekend catching big squid with your family because it's, it's well worth going to do right now. Let's take a look at what's biting around the country. New South Wales, we're seeing some, some really good yellowfin still being caught. Oh, Roman. it's crazy, Pat. It's literally crazy. They just, the bluefin haven't really come in super close yet. Uh, a lot so have been reporting consistently on real adventures of catches, you know, a 100 kilometres plus offshore of fish 150 plus kilos in size, but just nothing that's oh. remotely close to 
maxi trail boats, let alone you know your six meter well, offshore craft. Well, speaking of uh, Scotty from Birmingham Bait and Tackle, and Scotty was saying to me, "What happens these days? Everyone's so fixated on where the long liners are fishing because that's where the big numbers of bluefin are. But if you actually follow the rip charts, which people aren't doing at the moment, and actually picking a break in the water temperature." You're probably going to find bluefin there, but everyone's just waiting and waiting for these big schools at the commercial to hopefully push in closer. And the key word is hopefully. So you don't even know if they're going to come in. So Scotty was saying that more people, if you get out there, you might actually find that break and have a great... This is Scotty from Birmingham Bait and Tackle, wealth of knowledge. So find that break in water and you're going to have good fun with those bluefin. But up, like I said, pushing up a bit further off JB and whatnot, it's... Yeah, it just... It's not slowing down. I follow a few people on social media, and I might even try and get the young fellas on one time to take us through there. I don't know. They work full-time, and they fish even more. So <laughs> I give them a lot of credit, and they are literally... I know a couple of days ago, they had five big yellowfin, a couple on the trawl, a couple on stick baits. So both methods working really, really well. Uh, they just, they're just not going anywhere. There's yellowfin, and if the water and the bait's right, there's no such thing as seasons for a fish. They are there purely for the water temp, which has the bait in it. So... There's no rules in fishing, <laughs> as we're seeing with these swordfish. I think Lee Rayner last week was saying there's only a couple of months of the year that a swordfish hasn't actually been caught now here in Victoria, and it's I think it was August, uh, sort of around that August to October sort of period. So it's not much. Uh, there's not much in fishing that has rules. So you've in got in terms to, of how to catch and when to catch. You mean hundred percent? Everything's just getting blown out of like these yellowfin just keep going and going. Like they, you got to remember, Pat. Few I reckon three to five years ago, we didn't even see yellowfin. Like, they literally disappeared. But now with all the tuna conservation that's going into it, we're seeing more and more bluefin and yellowfin tuna along the coast of New South Wales and the whole world, in fact. So Does social media make that more uh, prevalent, though, because everyone's spruiking their captures? Yes, but no, no. You are probably right there in a way, but no, the yellowfin just weren't here. They, it's sort of like the kingfish in Puffalo Bay Heads, I guess. They weren't here years ago because the trapping in South Australia stopped them. They put cap, uh, they, they put a limit on, all that, on that fishing, and now the fish are here in big numbers, and they're getting bigger and thicker and thicker. But you and I have done the Alan McGlashan documentary, and to tell you the honest truth, it just keeps getting better and better, these tuna. I think yellowfin are also with it as well. Kingfish at Montague Island is 75 centimetres. The best way of targeting those... Them at the under the at the moment, Redmond have been under the feeding birds with jigs and squid, the best baits to use. Drone fishing off Sydney, yeah, that that this is cool. And I actually, have you got a drone that is capable to drop baits and whatnot? Have you got one? Well, I've got it. Yes, you but do. You need to buy the separate um, attachment re- release mechanism. Okay. Well, yep. I, I I really want to have a crack at this. Probably we actually should go down a ninety mile over the summer if we can pitch a couple of days, Pat. It'd be fun sitting on the beach having a. Few Pepsi's, is that what, a few Pepsi's <laughs> off the beach, sending some big baits out, and we'll try and get a couple of big sharks. But Sydney, uh, yeah, bull sharks, big bull sharks, and a few other species as well. But the bull sharks are those; they're just so bloody aggressive and scary. That's yeah. one shark I'm purely scared of is a bull shark, and I've never even had an encounter with one, and I'm still scared of them. So they are uh, bull sharks, so aggressive. But you're always going to ha- have your bycatch of your big stingrays and a few other bits and pieces along the lines. Uh, WA that bustle and jetty pat uh, snapper just continuing to come in. We spoke about this thing a couple of weeks ago and it's still fishing well. And if I can recommend one bait, you'll remember with land base, you're casting. So it's not going to be easy to float an unweighted pilchard out there or whatnot. So you want to get your sinker out with a nice strong bait. For me, it'll definitely be a nice squid ring. Pin on the top of the squid ring, even run a snelled hook for a bit of extra security and you'll be able to cast that out an absolute mile. 
Plenty more to come on Real Adventures. We'll cover off on what's biting right around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We'll get straight back into a bit of a whip around and what's biting around the country, Redmond. Broom has seen some phenomenally sized sailfish. The the weather at the moment is fantastic. And Carl Langdon, a friend of our Real Adventures show uh, and host, host of Sports Day over in, uh, in the West, he was up there last week and he sent me a few photos of some of the biggest Spanish mackerel you could ever possibly imagine. One of my favourite fish, uh, favourite eating fish in the sea, Redmond, and the the whale migration up there at, at the moment as well. It's just a place that is just totally full of life. So just looking at the photos, they have some cracking Spanish mackerel. Yeah. So if you've got time to head up to Broome, it's it's well worth chasing. Um, but around the, the CBD in Perth, Redmond, there's still some really good fish to be caught. Yeah, you like I said, land-based, you've, uh, you've still got your snapper, but I'm just going to go back to your, your sailfish. The, the sailfish have been in huge numbers out wide of Broome, and they're always really good fun to catch. But also, fishing out of Perth, we're seeing the run of... And it comes off the, of our last segment of the show, Pat, is those tuna. We're getting school tuna. Well, there's tuna off Mallacoota. There's tuna in New South Wales. There's tuna in South Australia. And Perth have got this massive run of bluefin, school bluefin as well. So it's literally the whole southern part of Australia have SBTs in it. And they're a cold water fish. So it's great to see. And uh, tips to catching them, Helco divers are a secret weapon. Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters, I lost his... A darker side, darker coloured uh, halco, and, he, and it was the only one he had, and he nearly killed me because he reckons it's caught all, all his fish this season. <laughs> so during this was a few months back, but uh, halcos are working really, really well when they are a bit flighty because that calmer weather, once again, they do get a bit flighty. But if you do get a little bit of chop on the on the top of the water, those little four, just running those four inch skirts, and don't be afraid to put your teaser bars in front of them. That uh, if you are in Perth, that we run here in Victoria and right around the country, so teaser bars will always help bring those fish up. And you're going to see a huge amount of fish caught uh, if you do run them uh, run them correctly. Let's head to South Australia, Redmond. There's some really nice squid being caught uh, at the moment. There is. Brighton Jetty continues its squid fishing with literally bag limit captures, but after dark. After dark has been the success due to the shallow water. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about floats quickly. If you are land based fishing for squid, make sure that you are uh, make sure that you. Have it so it's not hitting the bottom. That's the key. Your jig can't hit the bottom because once it hits the bottom, you get your weed and that's yep. all over. But you want to make sure that it's close to the bottom. Now, a little tip for you guys at land-based fishing, don't be afraid to run a jig spike with a nice Tommy Ruff on it or a salmon and that there is going to catch you your bigger calamari. And they actually run better off a of float than a standard squid jig because a standard squid jig is actually designed to actually have a sink rate. So it actually, the squid will eat it as it falls. That's the whole point of it. As it, the squid, as the jig falls through the water column, the squid then eats it. Where, when it's a, when it's fixated to a float, other than the boat, the natural movement of the water going up and down, it's only probably moving 15 to 20 centimetres, you'd say maximum off a pier with natural movement of the ocean. Yep. Where we're, we're liking, where the likes of sinking up to eight, eight seconds if possible, that six to eight seconds is my ideal scenario for a jig, squid jig to sink to give it the best time for a squid to eat it. So 
like I said, beta jigs will work a little bit better on a float than normal, but they will tend to work as well, especially off a pier and during the night. And don't forget to have uh, lights on your float too at night because you'll be able to see exactly when you are on. And there's plenty of whiting around the York Peninsula patch just quickly. And uh, Point Hughes is also fishing really, really well as well as Point Victoria in South Australia for big King George whiting. And just got a question for you. What You've, you've experienced a lot of fishing around the country. What is your theory on sharks? Well, they're in getting, terms of they're getting worse, there's greater capture rates. And it's... Like, if you ask ever, anyone in the West... They're everywhere, yep. and whether it's because there's been a reduction in, in netting at times, there's obviously um, the rules and regulations in, with regards to actually taking sharks. Obviously, great whites have been on the endangered species register since 1996, but I think it's it's all the other species that we're seeing really large numbers of that, that at times you've just got to change position of where you're fishing because there's just so many sharks. So well, it, I've got a friend that fished up in Queensland last, during the week, just gone. And he literally goes there every year. The same week, same boys every year they fished. They were lucky to get a... Every year's getting worse, he thinks. And they were lucky to get a decent fish to the... They'd get one or two decent fish. Then they would have to move kilometres from where they were fishing. Luke Thompson from Perth Superyachts, who we've had on our Real Adventures show before, he often... um, They'll take um, people right up to Shark Bay... Obviously, they've got incredible boats that they can um, that they hire out, and you can get in contact with with Luke and the team from Perth Super Yachts for really it's a it's a once in a lifetime sort of experience. But they have the same trouble. They get up there, they take all their boats, and then you know they have phenomenal fishing for five minutes, and then all of a sudden you get one shark, and then the rest are just everywhere. I know, so I, know I pulled a, it on you. What can we do about it? Like I got no idea. Like, well. <laughs> Like, what do we do? Is it, is, it, is it not... We can't do anything about it? Or is it a cycle? Well, there are so many of them. That's the trouble. It's, it's out of... Like, you and I fished Cairns last year or the year before, whenever it was. I don't even know what year we're in now. We were literally lucky to get a fish to the boat after 10 minutes or 15 minutes on the spot. Well, they talk Especially about... Especially redfish. They so. talk about culling. Like, we see that with, with kangaroos at different um, different places around the country. And they're, they're on a coat of arms. So, we appreciate that species of animal, animal as much as any. But potentially that's something to revisit. I think the challenge is you look globally around the worlds and the oceans that have just been raped and pillaged and we're certainly reticent to to Wiping them in, out. invoke something like culling of sharks for no apparent reason. So I see that that's where the, the challenges are. Redmond, let's get to the social club where we take your questions from social media. Every week we're giving away real brand gear. There's a fishing top and hat to be given away. So make sure you send in your questions to our social media pages, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. First question is from David Lowe. Hey guys, uh, is dual batteries in your boat a must, or can you get away with one, Redmond? For me, it's 100% a must. Uh, it doesn't matter what size boat you have. Uh, I've always want a dedicated engine, Yeah, always, and then I always want to have uh, dedicated um, accessories. So, as is an isolator switch, this so don't just—it's not your backyard job where everything's running off a couple of wires that are, you know, half-assed and hitched around. Yep. Um, your batteries. Invest in. There's no doubt from, well, yeah. from both of us. Invest isolator. in an isolator and have, um, and have twin like batteries. How are you going to run your pie warmer if you don't have dual batteries? That's my question. Well, I think one of the challenges sometimes is you, you go with okay, hang on. I'm in a small tinny, I launch off the beach, I want to reduce the weight. 
But what we're seeing now with the advancement in, in battery technology is that weight is, is coming down dramatically. So you can afford to have two batteries that are going to be far lighter than than once would have been 40 kilos worth of battery. So things are changing and you can get far smaller batteries to um, to alleviate almost that stress of if you drain one, you've still got the other, particularly with a well-set-up isolator so, switch. So you'd, have, you'd always have dual batteries in your boats? Absolutely. Yep, I'm 100% as well. Uh, James, boys, how do you stay warm fishing in winter? I can't get motivated as it's too cold and I'm fishing it Hard to stay, I'm finding it hard to stay warm. Well, you mentioned it before, Redmond, and we both have these set up in our boats. I don't in my small boat, but certainly in my big one. (laughs) Absolutely, there is nothing better than there's nothing better than. um, (laughs) I was just joking there, but you are. I know where you're going. Food warm at at night. Okay, I've got I've got one for you here. Hyper Ice, which is a company dedicated to um, the construction of um, whether it be ice packs. Normatec is another brand which build pants, which are basically um, thermals r- recovery tools. Yeah, they actually also build um, electric heat packs <laughs> that you wear around your waist, and there's a battery pack in the back, and it and it keeps it warm. Now we have these pre-game for there's probably ten of them at the club, and I reckon I actually bought one for home because I enjoy it so much. I think it was about three hundred bucks. They last for about half an hour, 40 minutes, and they're phenomenal. They actually massage as well. So Hyper... <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Hyper Sorry, Ice James. is the brand. So if you actually want to take portable heat, Hyper Ice is what I would recommend. Search it on Google and you you can follow sort of the links. I was going to recommend uh, staying dry. That's the key to fishing in winter, <laughs> staying dry. Wearing your good bogs gumboots, which keep your feet warm. You can wear your Stormline gear, which is literally your quality over- overalls. There's so many different brands just to wear... What I wear is Stormline, and there are overalls that come up to sort of just below your boobs, so they literally sit just under there, and then just wear a good jacket. But the problem with jackets that I find difficult is actually fishing in them is a pain in the other backside. So, like, I've got a big access jacket that I wear, which is my life jacket jacket, and it keeps me warm, real warm, and I don't mind using it to travel or in between, but as soon as I get there, it's a pain in the backside to fish out of, like, trying to get widening in, and, like, your arms, you feel like you can't fit through a door. Like, I tell like, you just can't move, so... It's like you're wearing a six mil um, wetsuit. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. So if I was you just traveling, getting a warm jacket and then thermals underneath on it and having a lighter jacket to fish out of, that's exactly what I would be doing. Good on you, Dave. Good on you, Harry. Uh, David Lowe. No, it was David and James. Come on, mate. David and James, sorry. Uh, Dave, well done, mate. Send us a direct message. You are our winner of Real Brand Gear this week. So send us a message and we'll send that straight out to you. That was the Real Adventures Social Club. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Welcome back to Real Adventures and it is now time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts at home with Dometic. And on the line we have Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters who has just ended his last few months uh, with a cracking sessions on the albacore tuna out of Portland. So we're going to get a bit of a wrap-up from Chris to take us through his whole trip, well, I guess the whole few months that he's had down in Portland. Good morning, Chris. How you going, Aaron? Going not too bad at all, mate. And you've had a pretty bloody good season this uh, this year 
on the Bluefin Tuna out of Portland. Now, what I want to get you, I really want you to go in detail today. I want you to talk about the difference in this year to other years. I want you to talk about the lures that have worked best for you. Uh, also, a bit about the albacore tuna. We're going to talk about water temp, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the barrel tuna. But let's start off with, first of all, where the fish have been and where they haven't been. It's definitely been a different year compared to other years. Uh, this year, we've found ourselves travelling to the shelf and sort of beyond to catch probably 95% of all our fish, where other years we can sort of um, you know, go to the shelf early and then sort of by mid-May where, you know, in under the 100-metre line, basically the fish will push in and, and, you know, we can get the job done in close. But this year we've found ourselves pushing over the shelf a lot, which has been frustrating, but the fishing has been not too bad. Do you find when fishing on the shelf, Chris, for the bluefin that they're probably a little bit easier? Now, let's 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 make it a little simpler. You often fish in close around Portland, so we'll talk about the behind the lighthouse at Nelson and even up to the Hammer of Bridgewater. You quite often talk about those areas you target after a big blow or when it is a bit bit windy, so those big nor'westers, for example. But do you yeah. find yep. that fishing the shelf, it's they they feed a bit easier out further than what they do in close on an, on an average basis? Generally, previous years, yes. Like I always say, when you find fish out in the shelf. That's when you're going to get your seven, eight, nine ways, you know. You sound fish up and generally it's multiple hookups. But in saying that, this year's been weird. Like, we were sounding up lots and lots of fish and, like, in that prime depth range, you know, in between sort of 30 to 15 metres um, and not getting any strikes. So you or, mean you mean in the, you know, in the water columns? You're out of the shelf, obviously. So you're talking about that, yeah. say, fifteen meters, fifteen meters deep in the water column. Yeah, exactly. So when we're fishing shelf, I'm only looking at the top eighty. I don't really care what's under eighty meters. So, yeah. um, so when I do me sounder and that, you know, I just top eighty, and that's all I'm that's all I'm worried about. And this year we were marking a lot of fish. Sometimes you'd get from you know the whole stream would be full of fish in, you know, 15 metres and, you know, 10 metres, 5 metres, and you wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a touch. And it was like, well, what's going on here, you know? Generally, when you find that out in the shelf, you've got a seven-way within minutes, you know, but this year was a bit funny. You did have good days where you were getting multiple hookups, but some days it was real tough going, which was very surprising. Like, you, you expect that in close, but not out there. Take us through uh, the size of the fish. Now, we're seeing, we'll call it back home because you and I are both from that sort of Queenscliff area where we, where we do a lot of our fishing out of. We, we had a massive run of those fish from, say, not much smaller than 18, 20 kilo, right up to close to 50 at times, let's be honest, out in front of yeah. Barwon Heads and whatnot. Now, the fish size that you're getting, did you find this year, what, what I've seen on social media, and did you find that the fish this year were probably one of the smallest we've seen in years, as in the bluefin? 100%. Like, those fish early, like, coming from, like you said, coming from Queenscliff, like, um, you know, April, catching 2018 to 22 to 25 kilo fish, to going to Portland expecting, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're going to get those sort of 10 to 15 that we generally get. Sometimes you'll get a school of 18 kilo fish. We found um, a lot of our fish were 
six to eight, eight to ten kilos. Mm. Um, very tiny, probably one of the smallest schools I've seen in, oh, I don't know, maybe ten years. Yeah, had a fallen. Yeah. So yeah. Talk about uh, you've got to obviously put some stuff in the water to be able to catch these fish. Now your lures, I know that I lost one of your halcos filming for Paul Worsing with his eye fish show with yourself, which you were a bit annoyed at me about. But we'll blame Paul for yeah. that because he uh, he was yelling at me. But we uh, <laughs> your best take us through this year your best lures, your best. So we'll start with skirted lures, and then we'll go into your, sort of your diver range. Give us your top sort of five to ten uh, bits and pieces that you put out. Um. I don't reckon I could, mate, to be honest, because yep. it was so – there wasn't one standout. Oh, there was a – like the Halco obviously was a standout, um, like, diver for me. Mm. Um, but skirt, off the top of my head, I could not give you one to say, yeah, that was my standout skirt this yep. year. It was a lot of chopping and changing and um, – just thinking back on the season, mate, I, I really can't. Did you, I, did I, you couldn't find, give, I couldn't give you one. Did you find on certain days that certain colours worked specifically to that day or was it just all over the shop most of the time? It was just all over the shop. And, like, I'm not a – like, I normally run a mix, you know, so I normally run two or three divers and the rest skirts. But this year I found myself running probably more divers, less skirts, to be honest. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. now we've had this – Massive run, and you're not far off. We're going to talk a bit about bringing the boat back from Portland. We've had this fantastic run of barrel bluefin out of Apollo Bay, which you and I have both been a part of. And Portland's probably, let's just be honest, Portland's the home of barrel bluefin tuna. It's a place where it's got a very good safe haven. It's got your Portland Harbour. It's got a nice calm run, basically, from Portland to the rock on average. And then quite often, the fish are in close there, that sort of 35, 40s, right out to that sort of 70, 80 metre line. So you're relatively protected, even though it is the Southern Ocean. But this year, uh, this is only speaking to yourself and a few others. Tell, Let everyone know about the, what you've noticed different-wise with the water temp, the bait, and everything that isn't, hasn't quite been what it has been to have those barrels there, hence why the barrels haven't been there. No, it's been um, weird. I remember the first day, um, my first trip, I sort of drove out looking at the water temp and going, oh, geez, that's that's odd. Like, obviously, everyone's sounders are different the way they're set up with water temp. They're not all going to be the same, but I was always asking the other charter guys, you know, what water temp you got, and everyone had high water temp. So, like, basically from 40 metres to 300 metres, mm that early, early May, the water temp really didn't change from 17 degrees. Which is um, bloody it, warm. Yeah, it was just a constant 17 degrees. Like even if you pushed out to sort of five, six, seven hundred metres, it was 17 degrees everywhere. And it stayed like that, I reckon, for a solid month, if not more. Um, it wasn't till the weekend just gone that I actually noticed like where we generally get those barrels, you know, in between, say, the rock and the lighthouse and, and Bridgie, that that water temp was sort of 15 and a half, 16 degrees. Um, so, yeah, it was – I definitely think it was that. The reason we haven't seen any any barrels coming out of Portland is because of that water temp. But who knows, in the next few months we might, we might see something, but – 
All the best. It was uh, very, very disappointing. Now, yeah, very disappointing in May, June. One thing that we haven't seen for a couple of years, oh, I'm going to go a couple of years, probably even more than a few years, the odd people obviously getting them, but the albacore. Now, as they're known, chicken of the sea, and I've had some fantastic sessions, like I said, a long while ago as well, like on uh, on the albacore tuna, and you're fishing on the other side of the shelf there. You guys had yeah. a tremendous last few weeks on the albacore tuna. It was. It was, um, well, the fishing, the later the season got, the fishing actually got better. Like the fish size, the fish sizes came up. They probably went back to that sort of, you know, 12 to 15 kilo fish, even the bluefin. Yep. The last two weeks of our season, the albacore, I haven't seen an albacore run like that, I reckon, for maybe six, seven years. Yeah. And yep. there was a couple of days there where you could have caught as many as you wanted, and they were 15 to 25 kilo fish. Mm, big fish. So they were nice fish. Um, so it was good to see that, but is it? are those fish always there? We don't know because generally mid-June to mid-July, end of July, we're really fishing in close because all our tuners are you know, in that 100-metre range. Yep. Probably no one ever pushed out to... You know, 1,500, 2,000 metres that late in the season. So who knows? They could be there every year. We don't know. How far out so, is that 2,000 metres of water, just roughly? Roughly, it's it's on the borderline of sort of 30 miles. So you're looking at about 20, 28 miles from the closest point of land. Which is roughly around 60 kilometres. Yeah, so it's a fair way. And that was, that, that was the hardest thing this year was it was having to travel so far day in, day out, just to sort of get your bag of fish for the customers. Um, yeah, like it was nice when it was flat and you could do 25 knots. It was it was actually quite enjoyable, but when it's flowing sort of 15, 18 knots, then it makes it a long trip home. Well, there's no offshore, 60 kilometres offshore, no. is there? Uh, you're, listening, no. you're listening to Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. And before we wrap up with Chris, uh, you, I know there's a little bit of a plan in your head at the minute as you attempt to bring this boat back when we get some decent weather uh, from um, from from Portland down to I guess Queenscliff. Take us through yep. a little bit of a plan. You might drop the boat off in Apollo Bay for maybe a month or so, and uh, maybe a couple of midweek charters. Yeah, maybe. I like I'm done at Portland now, so um, I'm just waiting for a weather window to bring the boat back. My plan is. Soon as I get a nice day, maybe bring it back to Apollo Bay. Um, maybe leave it there for a week, two weeks, three weeks, to see what the weather does, see what the fish do, um, and then obviously come home, take the boat out, and gear up for gear up for um, September squid, squid snapper offshore, I suppose. I'm looking forward to that. It's not too far away. You've been listening to Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. If you do want to jump on his boat, maybe in the next month or so, you might be able to land yourself a 100-kilo barrel bluefin tuna. Make sure you follow his social media pages and keep up to date with what is going on with Gone Fishing Charters. Thank you for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Thanks, Aaron. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living made easy. Now it's time for Red's review for Club Marine, and this is something that every boat must have, Aaron. Yeah, when you say every boat, I agree, every boat. Even the rules and regs don't actually uh, account for you. 
I would still have it. And what I mean by that is EPIRBs. EPIRBs will save your life. Emergency position indicating radio beacon. It is literally a must-have on your boat. Now, and they're not expensive. Like Not to save your life, 100% not. For a couple of hundred dollars, you can get a GME, and, and we were just searching through Google. There's plenty of different um, websites you can get them for, but they are a must. Yeah, I think it, the GMEs, I think they're up towards that, what are, what are they, about 400 or something? No, the, they the, the they, more expensive ones, 400. They start at 229. That, the one that you've got in front of you there, which is the uh, Rescue Me Ocean Signal, that's the one that I have in my boat. They're about 350. Yep. Uh, and that's what I've got in my boat. What about position of where you put this the is, EPIRB in the boat? This is 100% a big one. Now, if, if say, for example, Kari uh, and Finn come on the boat in Port Phillip Bay. Now, this is going to sound a little bit contradicting because I did say that you must have, I would always have it in your vessel, even fishing in the bay. But I don't really say to Kari and that, oh, if we're going to see seals with a little one, the EPIRB's down here, this and that. Which, But anytime I go actual fishing where where it's slightly rough or whatnot, most of the boys I fish with know my boat anyway. But they, my EPIRB is positioned literally on the passenger side at their legs. Yep. It's in a, It's got its own EPIRB. North Bank actually in their mould have an actual spot for your EPIRB and that is where mine sits. Yep. Now, I'd say to anyone that I'm travelling, forest image is there, this is here, life jacket's here, I'll go through my safety equipment, especially these big runs of Apollo Bay. If I cop a wave and end up head over tits, you, you, but you need to know where it is. I know where it is, but the boys can literally reach down and grab that EPIRB and, see, see, and actually set it off. Uh, How do they work? So they're used to notify uh, an alert. Uh, search and rescue boats um, as soon as a person is in distress or um, in need of immediate rescue. So it transmits that signal via satellite uh, and then um, you can triangulate the position. And I'll be I'll tell you the honest truth, setting them up isn't a two-minute job. Now, the reason I know this is because I just did my Rescue Me one oh, when I bought the boat, say, six months ago, whatever it was now. But it was when I, it's not a two-minute setup job. You need to have all the numbers off the box on the actual EPIRB. Then you've got to have your boat details, contact details. So it's not, when I say it's, it's not a, it's not a two hour job, but it's probably a 20 minute job of actually sitting down and actually getting the details correct because you need to have, I have different emergency. I had Kari, my partner, I had Craig, my manager, and I had my mum and dad on there too. Yep. So if something, they can't get a hold of one, at least it's going to go somewhere. And just another tip with your EPIRB too is, not that this is coming back to EPIRB is when you're doing, when you're fishing somewhere, I, I tend to, for example, not at home, but Kari, I'll say, oh, Kari, I'll say, I'll be home around four o'clock. But if I'm going to Apollo Bay, Kari doesn't really care what time I'm going to be home, as bad as it sounds. Yep. But Craig, I'll be on the phone to Craig the night before, and I'll say to him, I'll be in around five o'clock. And that way, if he hasn't heard by me from me from eight o'clock, or no one's heard of me from eight o'clock, yep. he knows, that, all right, he, he's usually going to be, he reckons he's going to be home around five ish. And Craig's sort of that person that I speak to. Uh, to I guess he, I work with him, so that you just naturally have that conversation. But everyone has that person. Everyone has that person within their life that they 100%. constantly talk to. Yep, hundred percent. And that's that's what I, I do recommend. And that comes, like I said, drifting a little bit away from the EPIRB side of it, but it's uh, it's it's sort of a must to do as well. Now, there's two kinds, Redmond. There's obviously the GPS and the non-GPS. Non-GPS, the beacon. Um, it can only be localised within 5K versus if it's a GPS-enabled one, it's 120 metres. So spend the extra money, get a GPS-enabled one. Um, and, and as we said, you can get EPIRBs from every good marine dealership, um, tackle store, or you can purchase them online. So review for this morning. And just because the rules and regs in Victoria say two nautical miles offshore is the way you need and you don't, 
actually travel any further than that. Just because it says you need it there, just 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 be mindful that if you're in the bay chasing snapper, crossing it from St. Leonard's to Karen, for example, and it's 25 kilometres, and you go over in the middle there, how the hell is anyone going to find you? Yep. So, and we've seen people over the last 12, 12 months have exactly those issues, and we've seen deaths on our Oh, 100%, boards. exactly. So, yeah, Red Review is EPIRB. Get yourself one. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Been a big show of Real Adventures this morning. If you want to follow us on our Real Adventures socials, make sure you do so on Instagram and Facebook. And better yet, download our Real Adventures app. It's got our podcasts. It's got tips and tricks as well as recipes from some of our favourites, including our man, Sammy Goodwin. Uh, Red's tip for this week, Redman, we're talking life jackets. We are talking to like a bit of a safety show. I do apologise for that, but we're all about safety here at Real Adventures. And life jackets is one of those ones that... It's uh, there's so many different styles you can get, but it's not a review today. It's a tip. Now, if you're going out in the bay, I'm confident to say that I I don't I don't need to have a life jacket on if I'm chasing my whiting of Saint Leonard's. I don't want to have my life jacket on. I've always got my jacket when I'm travelling. If by myself, I've got my bum bag or whatnot. I was going to say if if you do though, use the the ET version of your your hip pouch. Yeah, the, the small one. This is yeah. what I was going to talk about, little ones versus big ones. Now, what I do for storage, now this is a, a, a good tip. You've got to remember that those uh, bum bags and your, your chest mount ones are just like literally the small U-shaped ones that go over your shoulders. You've got to literally change the gas canisters every year. Yep. You've got to be on top of them every year and you can forget. Now, to cover your backside from the water police and yourself, because these will actually protect you as well, you know those big PFD foamy ones? Yes. If you've got it, I run five of them in my boat at all times. I don't take any more than five ever. I've got five of them tucked away under my seats in my boat that never come out. So number one, for requirements, I'm covered. Number two, for backup, if those other ones are going out of date, I can get the boys to wear them once. They just, I've got them still in their plastic, to tell you the honest truth. So they literally work an absolute treat. You don't have to have a, um, you don't have to, literally pull your gas canister out. Oh, what date? Oh, 2012. Oh, geez, I'm out by five days. At least you know it's in the boat and it can be save your life and it also doesn't have to have that used by date either. They last forever, Pat. So the Red's tip this week is get those big foamy life jackets, put them in the cabin and they will literally stay there forever and they will save your life as well as save you a few hundred dollars and getting fined if you do slip up a few months on your actual uh, cylinder. It's now time for the flying gaff. No, it's not. We're not. Oh, it's the feel-good fishing story of the week, Redmond. Oh, you so did want to say this. I apologise. You have uh, you have a great story on Murray, Crod, Murray Cod uh, that was saved during the week. Now, there's irrigation channels right around Australia and quite often some of these irrigation channels will have some of the most extraordinary fish you could possibly imagine. And there's a great story during the week. I think it was about 40 uh, Murray cod that were saved. Native fish in general. 40 native fish, yep. was it? So Murray cod up to 80, a number of yellow belly. So 80 centimetre Murray cod was saved when they, um, when they were doing some maintenance work on the irrigation channel. They were. Several fisheries officers assisted the Goulburn Murray water with the salvage alongside a bought angling club and the fish were all released into a nearby home, uh, the Loddon River. Is that how you pronounce it? Loddon River? Yeah, Loddon River. Loddon River. So that's where they were uh, transported to, which is pretty cool. 40 native fish, 
80 centimetre Murray cod. And look at all the fisheries blokes in the photo claiming that they've caught these fish. They're very happy. They're <laughs> very happy. So that's pretty cool. That's a good story for uh, for fishing. Now can I throw you to the flying gaff? Yeah, the flying gaff's pretty simple this week. There's been uh, some Sydney boaties that have been fined 16k uh, for 16 k $16,000. Yeah, right. For lying no, reading, yeah. on their declaration forms trying to get into Queensland to watch the rugby. So they're obviously trying to get in to watch, uh, uh, what was it? I think it was the um, State of Origin, rather. And uh, they're in this 34-metre super yacht. And it's been a little bit more expensive than they first would have thought, which I, I dare say if you're chartering a boat from Sydney to... Uh, Queensland's going to be expensive enough as it is. I was going to say, the way the boat that they're in and what they're doing, I don't think 16k is going to really affect their pocket either, Patrick. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I'll give the gaff to ourselves this week. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week on Real Adventures. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.